Hello and welcome back. Yes, you're back for another episode of Kent and the Steering Team. How lucky are you? Anyway, um, as always, you're joined by myself, Phil, my friends Bianca and Drew. Unfortunately, there is no Kent uh, this week. He's actually waiting in the queue, waiting to get some popcorn at the cinema. Anyway, on with the show. Team, how are we? Yeah, we're pumped. good. He's a good man. He's he's gone and gotten the candy bar items for us. I hope he gets. I hope he remembers chop. the chop tops. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. That happened. Okay. You know what else I'm really sad about? Just in general, what? I went to movies the other night. I'm not. I liked. Okay, I like popcorn. Don't get me wrong. But I prefer like the salty sweet popcorn. And Hoyt's got rid of the sweet, salty sweet popcorn, and I'm very annoyed. What? But they still advertise it, which is shit to me. Even no, more. the normal popcorn's the best one, especially when it's slightly, slightly room temperature, temperature-ish, well, and it's like a little bit chewy. Well, I can't agree not with the- you there. Not that this is an advert for event, but we are going to event at George Street for our final Bond film. And they do have Parlor Lane, which has all the different flavors of popcorn. Oh my so, god, and I know they have the sweet popcorn there. No, no, yeah. okay, I'm good again. Like, I, yep, can we just, can you just Yeah, I, I made that mistake of getting that one once, so, yeah. Um, but of course, yes, yes this, this episode, and we are referencing cinemas because this is our finale of bond we've got um the first half for you which we are recording now with this is on wednesday um we're recording this uh this is our our um retrospective our look back at bond our thoughts on all the bond films um to kind of summarize that and then uh, part two um of this episode will be recorded tomorrow night well on Thursday night for you, you'll listen to this after we've recorded this. Which is once we've seen Bond, we will see Bond twenty five. It is in the past. <laughs> we will have watched and and recorded our review of Bond twenty five, No Time to Die. So you will hear that on this episode as well. Um, finally, a little summation of the whole thing, and then um, we'll say see you later and um, see you next week. Shall we not go that far ahead though and actually get to this? Half of the episode, which is our <laughs> yes, review please. of Bond. Our review of the Bonds. Bonds. Bo- review of Bonds? Bond. That's a, th- Bond films. We could take another 12 weeks and review each podcast episode. Can we not? Because <laughs> uh, no, no, then I'd have to no rewatch watch the films to remind myself of how much it sucked. And then, no, we're not doing this again. Well, look, out of the three of us, I'm the one that has spent you know a good hour or two this evening just trawling through our previous episodes because how lucky are you we did not have the foresight to write down all the scores so you did bianca and i didn't no no i didn't for a lot of them i didn't do it that's what i mean i had to do it tonight (laughs) because i didn't have them and i wanted to have all of it ready to go and yes, it was quite interesting listening back and listening to the way we justified each of our scores. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I would have ranked at least half of them a little bit lower than what I what I did put on them. I would have been a lot harsher. But you know, that's the funny thing about hindsight. Anyway, um, uh, but no, but actually, Drew, <laughs> on on hind on hindsight, I think what also so is interesting. So Bianca and I came from this as a position of um or especially i did not having seen the older ones and only having recollection and thoughts of the newer ones um and so we came from it from a completely different kind of perspective of what we we or what um someone watching the all of these things for the first time could we're also from a different time entirely than what those films were from um 
so I think I think it is. I think that the films were. I think it's impossible to score the films without kind of having the shoulder of the nearest one that you've seen before it kind of thing. So, for example, for, for Dr. No, we couldn't help but kind of reference, or I couldn't help but, but think of the ones that I'd seen most recently, which the most recent one was probably Casino Royale that I'd seen, or probably maybe even Spectre, which was the last film. You know, you, you, you couldn't help but lean on the one that you saw before it. So for each one going through, we had the thoughts of what we thought of the one before for that film. You know what I mean? I think also yeah. the way that we went through them, because we watched all of them at once, we kind of each week were learning more about Bon Lure and about, um, you know, the director's choices and, you know, the pri- like the cost of it, the fact that, uh, which movie was it, Moonraker, that took how long to pay off? Oh, too long. Yeah, yeah too long. Which then something. so many other films. Oh, and that, so we, we learnt... <laughs> We learnt, yeah, sorry, that one. We learnt so many things along the way and that shaped each of our scores going forward. Um, And obviously, I I think we gave a lot of, I I mean, for me personally, technically, I tried to give as many scores as I could based on what the technicalities of the time were rather Mm. than of what I thought the technicalities of today should be. And then I also tried to, I also tried to like rate them plots on that as well. Like I was trying to think as much as I could of for the time, what would this be? So, and I think that kind of works out because, well, as we get to our scores, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Generally though, what, what did you guys, well, how did you guys feel about, you know, going back and watching all these films? I'm glad we did it because it's something that I'd always wanted to do. Look, I I knew I wasn't necessarily going to um, like all of them. Yeah, like, but but that's like with anything. You're not necessarily going to like anything or, or every single one of everything. Mm. But but so I thought it was important that they do it as a Bond fan, but also as a film fan and all that sort of thing. Like I felt it was necessary to have done it once, and I was almost disappointed that I've never done it. So. It is nice to do. I'm um, glad we did it. I don't regret doing it. Um, wouldn't be rushing I, uh, to do it again. <laughs> wouldn't be rushing to do it again. But uh, but look, it 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 gives you a new respect for the. It it puts into perspective and it gives you more respect for the way the Craig ones are perceived. Hmm. I th- I think that you hit the nail on the head there with that. That it. Being able to see where where it's come from to get a better understanding of where it's going, especially with Craig, you can see how much he drew from the likes of Connery and Dalton and Lazenby to shape his one. And even when you're looking at um, someone like Pierce Brosnan, who is very clearly a far more nuanced, better version of Roger Moore, it's, yes. it's very fascinating to dissect all of that and to do it as you're going through them. And because we did it in such close succession, we got a very clear run of 50 years of film. I think... Yeah, Bianca, that's that's a point that you made. Well, well, yeah. So that, that, that was blowing my mind every week, I have to say. And I, I always was disappointed when the technology in the film didn't match the technology of the day. 
Um, Mm, Because I felt that was a poor reflection on the directors at the time. And then, like, I've said this before, I have watched all the films before, but I watched them many, many years ago and I didn't really remember them very well. Um, I watched them with my uncle as well, so, like, it was a bit of a different thing because, like, he was just showing me his favourite movies kind of thing. And, you know, as a little kid, you kind of really want to impress. My uncle was the older, cooler brother kind of thing. So I really wanted to impress him and I really wanted to like him. So now I'm watching it from my own perspective. And that was interesting to me because, I don't know, watching watching all of them and and added to the fact that I'd never seen the new films um, or two of the new films. Watching them through and then watching the Craig ones, which I really, really liked the Craig ones. Um, mm. I think they're excellent movies. Like it, all four of them, even if maybe individually sometimes they didn't hand like stand up, I think all four of them so far have been a great, you know, just great cinema um, for the genre and for the times. And to see how the 25 years or 40, 30 years, whatever it was beforehand, it was more than that, what am I saying? 50 years. 50, yep. <laughs> seeing, saying, seeing how the 50 years before the Craig films shaped the Craig films mm. was to me very interesting because I don't think it's... I don't think you can say that a single era of Bond shaped the current Craig films. I think they've all lent something to it. And even the last two films that were, to me, probably the most like the Sean Connery era of storytelling Mm. in a modern day, I just thought that was really cool. Mm. Yeah. No, I I would agree completely. It it had, it was nice to see them. um, I I think you, you made the point last week that what he did was he he or they as a team they did what the original films did but they did it correctly or they did it better the way it should have been done the way we wanted to see it done so it's a it's a fantastic um fulfillment of a what if of because we we were sitting there going, oh, what if Sean Connery was a little more suave in one way? Or what if he treated women better? What if hmm. this? What if that? And then those last two films absolutely fulfilled that for us. Yeah, look, and and that's and that's kind of what the um. I, I it comes down to this. I don't know if it comes down to the storytelling, but in some ways it is coming down to the storytelling. It's just told in a slightly different way in that it means that they, um, looking at like the last four films kind of thing to me, they kind of stand out. They, they all act a bit differently, whereas Casino Royale is, for me, a big boom, amazing kind of introduction to a new character and a completely new way of telling a story. It's almost like slowing right down and then focusing on, you know... Um, it, it, it tells we saw with the Brosnan ones we saw with the Connery ones we saw with the Moore ones we mm. saw with Dalton we saw with um, Lazenby Lazenby um, going all over the place to try and tell a story in multiple different places yeah um, 
was kind of the norm. Casino Royale then took it to a whole point of like, no, 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 we don't need to go very far. Let's stay in like one, maybe two spots and that's it, kind of. They did go to a multiple place, but really the action took place in like one place. Like it was at a yeah. um, bloody um, poker table for like three quarters of the movie, it felt like. So, you know, it slowed it right down and focused on the dialogue and the conversation and the, the story that was really detailed. Quantum of Solace was then an all-over-the-place kind of art house or arty sort of interesting transitions and, you know, way to tell a story. And then I found Skyfall and Spectre were really story-based um, movies, like really story-based. They, they were the more drama than, mm. than, not necessarily, but you know what I mean? Like there was more drama to it. There is um, something quite satisfying about that, though. Yeah, exactly. And I did. I don't... I I, th- I loved I thought they were fantastic but yeah there's definitely difference in that um, I found. Mm. Um, look, I I went back and went through all our scores because mm-hmm. I felt like it would be very interesting to look at what we would consider a favorite or favorites and mm-hmm. least favorites. So I went and plucked the top three that we collectively rated the highest Mm -hmm. and then the bottom three collectively. And I I feel like to a degree we could predict it, but to a degree, not as much. Uh, We'll start with the least favorites just because I'd rather us kick off with the lower points and then work our way up. Sounds good. Now the lowest one that we ranked and I... I feel like we we had an idea of this <laughs> was diamonds are forever which we all just consistently yeah. just and and yet we probably were suffering connery fatigue we also just came off of george lazenby who we loved we we finally were all in agreement that we loved a bond film and then we went back to Connery and it was just such a letdown. I feel like the reason why we all dislike that film so much is because Lazenby set up what could have been a great, you know, Bond mm. story. And yeah. then we went... Uh, 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 no, okay. So by the time we reached Lazenby, we were all done with Connery. None of us wanted to watch another Connery movie. Yep. <laughs> then Lazenby happened and we were like, wow, this is really good. And even though Lazenby has many attract- detractors, um, I think we just enjoyed it a lot. And I think it's mostly because, yeah, like you said, Connery fatigue. And then we came back to Connery and we were like, fuck no, we don't want to go back here. We just had such a good moment and now we're back yeah. to the shit. So yeah, we finally look, did it. <laughs> well, and look, I don't know if... I don't know if, if um, if it was again the Connery fatigue, but it felt like he was phoning in that performance a little bit more because he was he got the paycheck. He didn't really want to come back for it, but they're like, "Do it, do it, do it. We'll give you money." He went, "All right, fine, I'll do it." So it just it just felt like no one really cared, but they had to make a movie. Um, yep. So it was just a bit of a like I mean the the first maybe half hour of it is I don't necessarily mind it it's not not so bad it's um i mean it's all well and good but who gives a shit about this diamond thing and him having to go to some person's house and prove that he's someone else to be able to get the diamonds and then go to vegas and all that like i I mean it's Mm. 
It's like, alright, whatever. But again, compared to what we'd just been set up with this kind of youthful breath, breath of fresh air with Lazenby, and then suddenly we're going into the old ways again and slowing down a little bit, and it's just and not. And he was so old! Yeah. He was so old until. He was old, and we thought he was old until we got to Roger Moore, and we're like, oh, hang on, no, wait. Here's Grandpa Joe on screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we kind of. I mean, as, for, for, we kind of could because yeah, we, we had we, it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he was old. He was old. Roger Moore was old, and it was just it, like it, it. It got really uncomfortable at times. Which one was it? Where he was with the sixteen-year-old um, gymnast? Was she a gymnast? Yeah. For your eyes oh. only, which. Which makes our bottom line. Which is also one of those that we always forgot the name of. I feel like one, that was one of the ones we forgot yep. the name of a lot. Um, yep. That's because he was practically a pedophile in that yeah. one. Yep. It's awkward and weird. And, of course... Do you know what I just also realised um, afterwards? Because I was re-watching Archer recently. Yeah. And they spoofed that on Archer. Yeah. Um, there, there's a... There's a episode where Archer um, meets a like a 16-year-old uh, Swedish um, heiress. chick who he's heiress. Yeah, he's supposed to check, take care of her, yeah. like bodyguard her. And he flirts with her originally, then finds out she's only 16 and was like, no way, that's not happening. Right. But then, then she, she keeps throwing herself on him. Constantly. And they, they, wear, they wear a very similar outfit at one and point. And actually, just, just quickly before we continue on with our, our um, least favourites, um, I, I have to say one thing I couldn't help but do and thoroughly enjoyed doing was looking at, up until I think, I think about um, uh, uh, Die Another Day, was was the comparisons or the spoofs that came or spawned um, Austin Powers. I couldn't help but do that for all of the old ones. And just... In Austin Powers, it was hilarious how crappy they were. In James Bond, it was hilarious how crappy they were for the exact same reasons. But they were done on purpose. Crappy in Austin Powers. That was brilliant. So, yeah. So, we had... Um, yeah, Diamonds Off Forever at the bottom. What was what else did we have, True? Um, of course one more that we are very mm -hmm. bothered by still uh -huh. oh, and yep. that was goldfinger yep. Yep. no i can't believe fabergé egg didn't make it there though it didn't it just wasn't collectively it wasn't <laughs> at the bottom of the barrel goldfinger was still terrible though goldfinger was where i realized god this man is not a spy like i i had inklings of it up until then but then at goldfinger I was just he like, has, he, how? No. I think Gold, Goldfinger be. was the one that made us just collectively Go Goldfinger's uncomfortable the one with what that, we were watching. Um, it, it proved to us that he had his eyes on the job rather than on the job. Um, he was mm. totally inappropriate in that one. I think the it was the director of um, uh, uh, Die. What is it? Um, no Time to Die said that. Goldfinger has yep. it is rape and it, it is, is rape. rape. It's just I, I I find it so difficult to enjoy anything about that movie with the thought that that was going on, um, or that that happened. Like yep. Jesus Christ! Like oh my! It just it is just so 
on the nose, and there is no other word for it than complete and utter rape. Um, yeah, so very difficult mm-hmm. one to watch. Um, the rest of the movie up until that point is completely ridiculous and has so many plot holes in it. Like, for example, he hit this guy driving off in his gold car that he'd put on a plane and that somehow didn't fall out of the sky and then they smelt the car down. Like, it's just all a bit... What For what reason is any of this happening and then there's the whole Fort Knox thing? It's a whole thing. Um, Drew, we had another one on this yep. list, though, this bottom three, didn't we? No, that was that was our three. Diamonds Are no, Forever, Goldfinger, and For Your Eyes Only. Yeah, the, ones <laughs> the one you forgot course. again. Um, let's let's get into our top three. Um, no surprises. The like, last um, two of them came from the last two weeks. Yeah, so Skyfall topped it for us with um, three tens yep. and three nines. That's not bad, actually. I, I think Skyfall is one of my favourite movies, though. It's a complete yeah. movie. Like, it is absolutely a complete uh, movie. Yeah. Um, no doubt about that. It is It is um, such a brilliantly well-told story. It is I'd, such a brilliantly well-crafted movie. Uh, it's so nuanced for now and for, for eternity. I feel like it's just... It's the right amount of story and espionage and technology all thrown into one. So it kind of just always will work. Um, I feel like it's timeless. It's what we looked for in some of the other bonds or we were looking for. And unfortunately, they showed their age a bit too much. Mm. Oh, look, I'd... I also think that Skyfall... Had Craig not continued... Skyfall would have made the Craig a per- the Craig mm. films a perfect trilogy. Like if you just look at those three movies and you forget mm. what's Spectre. the one afterwards? Spectre. Spectre. If you forget and you forget Spectre, you're like that that was a pro- that's just a proper trilogy right there. Like it just came together very perfectly. I don't know. I I have a lot of respect for good storytelling yeah. like that. I I'd go so far as to call it the quintessential Bond film just it really it has every element it does the job um but of course it is it is the top one following that Mm -hmm. would be casino royale which we all Mm -hmm. gave it nines across the board that's that's a pretty pretty good ranking we've we've already talked a little bit even um today about casino royale and how we felt about it and just how it it, the fact that it is just back to basics and it doesn't need to go everywhere it just needs to focus yeah exactly like and that's what it does it 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 delivers us a new bond um it sets them up in sets sets it up and the 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 series and the direction of the series in the best way it's also the riskiest one i find because it is Unlike all other kind of introductions of new bonds, this is a this is a reboot. It's called a reboot, and it is a reboot because it changes. Um, it, it it does its best to not kind of isolate existing fans, but it gives opportunity for for, for so many more fans to to jump on this kind of this bandwagon because. It is um, the right amount of spy, the right amount of story, and it's the right amount of detail to story like it's just the it's just it's such a good movie 
um, and it still holds up. Like it's it absolutely holds mm. up now. It's it's like over, um, or well it's it's over ten years old. It's you know nearing towards twenty years old. Scarily, it's you know. fif- it's fifteen and uh, it's fifteen well, and there years you go, and, and still it it's, it it just looks um, so fitting on any I- on any cinema screen today. It would just be fitting. It'd be no problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, I also really appreciated how it mm-hmm. rebooted the story structure because, again, watching these week after week, and then I always constantly think back to the Roald Dahl, Roald Dahl thing where he explained that he had to follow a formula. Mm. I've sort of picked up the formula that's, you know, come over the years of, like, there's always one henchman who's a bit weird and has, like, some distinctive features. Um, and then there's, mm-hmm. you know, the three women or the two women usually now. Like, it, yeah, it sort of became two women, but, like, there's always these things. Like, it, it kind of... That movie spun every formula on its head. The multiple scenes, you're, like what you said, the multiple places. And it was just done so well. But it still, at the end of the day, it was a Bond film. Even if he had never said his name in any of that movie, you would watch that and be like, yep, exactly. that's a Bond film. And I, I appreciate it. In fact, that, actually, just quickly that, before that we move well on, I, have, I do have one niggling little sticking point of Casino Royale that I just cannot stand, honestly cannot stand, and I... I or I've always known this, but it didn't really mention it. But I know it. It's when the girl um, in the Bahamas is riding on the horse. I can't stand that. It is just the most clumsy-looking, shitty thing I have watched. <laughs> in a, I can't stand it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the other film that we had was on Her, Majest- <laughs> Her, Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, that's right. Lazenby was one yes. and done, but. It made the top three, so um, pretty good performance, I say. Um, yeah, look, we loved everything about that one. We, we, it, 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 um, it, it reinvigorated the series at the point where it needed it, even though they completely undid all that with the very next one, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, it reinvigorated yep. the series. Um, it was the change that we needed. He played a very good Bond. Um, he gave us, I think, more of the formulaic style that we came to... Um, expect than what we had from Sean Connery. Like I feel like Sean Connery's Bond almost sits a bit differently or sits somewhere else completely. Even though we mentioned, yeah, we're seeing elements of it um, of the formula. I didn't think we really saw that or or had that stand out to us until on Her Majesty's. Mm. And that's why we yeah. gave it nines, nines, I, sevens, I... and eights, and tens. I also appreciated Her Majesty's, like we said before, because Mm. it was so different to Connery's era. And even now, looking back at all the films, Her Majesty's Secret Service stands out to me because of how different it is. All of the rest of the Connery Mm. to Moore era just sort of blend into one after a while. You know what I mean? when we went back to um, Connery for Diamonds Are Forever, I feel like even though we went back to Connery, we went back to Connery playing the same Bond, but in a more, more modern time. Because On Her Majesty's Secret Service brought it mm. into the future, or made it kind of... Brought us to realign with, like, 
modern film at the time. You know, it was that step that we needed. Kind of like we we got yeah. Connery. Connery stated the same sort of thing all the way through, and then suddenly we got um, moved up the ladder, or moved to the next step, or moved up the next kind of time frame. It it, it yeah. moved it up the decade. I feel like I feel like the end of Connery's era because mm. I kept looking at the fashion and like the th- people around. The end of the con at the end of Connery's era definitely hit the seventies in stride. Um. Which I don't, sorry, the end of the 60s in stride. And I think it let mm. more take over in the 70s. But I think I think that's where it mm. started to fail as well. Um, Moore, Moore's era just, it was like, it, it, it was like everything yeah. was running through quicksand. Yeah. Like it, it just didn't, it was either, you know, trying to be too sci-fi or trying to be too like urban or too American. Like they, cause they were trying to hit the, well, they, they hit the American market as much as they could. There was so much in the more era that was just for the American market. And that was not great either. Same with the Dalton and the Brosnan eras. Don't get me wrong, but it just felt I'll, very I'll off. You guys in the give you, give you kind of the night era. to think about it till after we've seen the next one. Um, but your mm. your favorite movie of each of the Bonds, um, I'd love to know your favorites from each of them. I think I could probably give you up until Craig. Obviously, we can't make a call on it because we haven't seen the most recent one. But um, I, I, yeah, I'd like to yep. hear your thoughts on f- a favorite of each one. Don't have to go into too much detail, just if you had a favorite and what was it. Um, it's okay if you didn't, though. But um, just something to sure. think about because um, obviously we're going to go and see... Um, the next one now, No Time to Die. Um, we'll, so we'll mm. be back with um, a review on that. Uh, actually, stop, 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 stop. We have to discuss okay. something before we do this. We do. We actually have to yes. organise something, Phil, um, for, t- for the movies, yeah. obviously. Because, you know, it's James Bond, and oh, James Bond is such a snazzy dresser. I don't understand. Uh, I know oh what's my happening. God, my my Siri just went off. Um, so so, Phil. Yeah. If for those at home, said a word that he shouldn't have said a couple of weeks back, and Drew and I have been sitting for this on this for some time, and the reason why we've been sitting on it is because we thought we're going to bond tomorrow night, mm. and we should dress up. Specifically, Phil should dress up. Phil. You're going to have to wear your nicest suit tomorrow night with all the trimmings. Yeah. Like, I want to see you in dress shoes, man. I want to see a handkerchief in the breast pocket. I will come by and come to pick you up from your house. Your chariot shall await, but you need to dress nicely, man. Yeah. So, tie as well. Okay, no worries. (laughs) No worries. Fine. So be it. (laughs) I appreciate that. I think I've earned that. Um, okay, I will be dressed in my best for Bond tomorrow night then. That's fine. That's that's a good punishment. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, there's got to be pictures of it for the for the, for the fans. Fans? Yep. I don't know. Um, sounds like it. Fine. I will. I will get it out and I will have a look at it and make sure it's organized. Um, but do, do stay with us though because, Brilliant. of course, we will... Um, we back after this with our review of No Time to Die, as well as our special mentions and uh, 
overall ratings um, uh, of, of the films up until this point, obviously, because they may change. Um, and then uh, with the ratings of No Time to Die, as well as our... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sick Kent of the Week. Sick Kent of the Week, exactly. Um, <laughs> that thing that we do every yeah, single that week thing. that I should know the name <laughs> of. Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's yep. Let's make it happen. From the creators of the reusable toilet wipe comes a new sustainable way to clean. The super-powered omni-navigational germic speller, or sponge. Just wet, wipe, rinse, repeat. Simple and sustainable. Sponge, out now. And we're back on the show. We've returned. Um, We're now back in the same room. Um, as we normally are when we record, which we weren't for the first half of this episode, because we've just been to see No Time to Die. So, and Phil, what are you wearing? I'm wearing my finest suit, um, <laughs> and uh, I rocked that to the cinema, and I tried to feel as confident and own it as much as I could. It's weird, though. My granddad thought you looked great. You thought I yeah. looked stunning, and I yeah. thought I looked suave, but still out of place nonetheless. Um, and I had to pose in front of billboards and stuff which um, please check out our socials for all of those fun memories not to mention a nice car that said agent seven yes. oh yeah that too we found a car that said agent seven and that was a pr- that was a pretty good find yeah what are the chances of that yeah, yeah. um lucky for us they were parked so horribly so we noticed them um <laughs> mm. yeah so we've just been see no time today so um we 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 have we we will review it um we will start off with a um the, the first bits of it will be a non-spoiler one, but we'll let, tell you when it's time for... Yeah, time, so time if you off. don't want spoilers, continue listening. We will tell you when to stop. Yep. Yep. Okay, shall we get cracking? So our first little thing that we're doing is we are going to talk about the overall franchise with mm. this as the final movie for now. Because... Mm. At the end, we did find out that there will be Mon Bond. But we already, we already knew that, knew that yeah, because everyone's been debating about who the next Bond is going to yep. be. So, our overall score is true. Without, right. First, let's do what without and then we'll do the calculations with. Yeah, and that way we get to keep our, um, our scores for these films uh, sacred until the end. Until the end. But we did... <laughs> until the end. Sorry. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, okay, so what we did, we tallied up the average of our ratings for the first 24 films. Now... We divvied it up, technical and personal for every film. So in keeping with that, I will recite them thusly. So for myself, technical, it was an average of 6.83 out of 10 and a personal of 6.9 out of 10. For Philip, it was a technical 6.33 out of 10 and a personal 6.2 out of 10. And for Bianca, a technical 6.88 out of 10 and a personal 6.25 out of 10. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, I rated them highest on a personal level. 
However, Bianca rated them highest on a technical level. I was going to say, I feel like this is appropriate because every week of the episode, I was talking about the technicalities for the time. Yep. And how mm. when it kept up, it kept up and when it didn't, it fell behind. Mm-hmm. So yep. that kind of works out for me. Yeah. Whereas you, and I don't always necessarily like movies. And plus I had no fucking idea what happened in half of it. Still to this day. Which is totally fair. I don't know what happened in half of these movies. Yes. Yep. So that makes sense to me. And then Phil just... Middle of the road. Phil's just completely middle. No, you, you've got on the lower scores on both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, still middle of the road. <laughs> you judge them very harshly. <laughs> I judge them fairly, though. I, ju- no, I, I think from, so. from my point of view, I judge them fairly. I actually from... think you do. I think me and Drew were giving. I was giving more slack to the tech, and you, Drew, was giving more slack to the personal, which yeah. is very much. Our I was harsher. Pattern. I was harsher on the older ones um, compared to sh- had I been from the time watching them, there would have been out of this world but at the same time I'm not so I judge you were, them on the matter you were of, quite sympathetic yeah. to the world is not enough and die another day I was actually harsher on those than you were even in yep. the final scores yep. so I found that quite interesting to look at but the most interesting thing about mm. these numbers is that all six results landed in the range of six out of ten mm. well we're either six out of ten or seven out of ten if you round up um, yeah. if you round to the nearest number we're either six or sevens um, and I feel like, again, that is very appropriate because I feel like a lot of the weeks, one of us was giving six, seven, the other one was giving seven, six, like, yeah, well, it, well, look, I, I, I find that the, the film series as a whole though, does lend itself to that sort of range in that, um, I, I don't, obviously I wasn't around for when earlier ones were released and everything, but I feel like they're supposed to be a kind of slightly left field sort of series. Yes, they're blockbuster, you know, A-grade movies and, and A-list titles and everything like that. You know, AAA titles that are meant to just, you know, knock the socks off everyone. But mm. at the same time, they're not for everyone. They're, they're, they aren't a film for absolutely everyone. And that's something that they've been trying to change in later years is that. They've been trying yeah. to change it. And we saw that with Pierce Brosnan. They became more and more family friendly um, as they went on. And our scores kind of reflect the same thing where um, if you weren't a fan of them earlier on, you weren't a fan of them, that's it. But the later ones began to lean themselves or, or tended to be more for everybody. And so therefore there was something for everyone. Mm. And our scores did the same sort of thing. So yeah, that's just how I view, view I, the I also ones. think that whilst the Bond films, whilst the Brosnan films, sorry, became more family friendly, mm-hmm. the Craig films were very adult. They sh- Exactly. They shifted again. They shifted again. They were very adult, but you're right. They speak to a very broad adult audience. Yeah. Mm. There is some espionage and spy stuff in it. There's some action in it. Then there's some like romance and mm. they're also for, like, but more still not, realistic but more realistic than what we previously saw well i want to talk about that later Mm -hmm. but so those are our overall scores and Mm -hmm. overall keeping in mind that we're not giving away spoilers Mm -hmm. with this final movie Mm -hmm. how do we feel as the series as a whole series is in craig's series or as in bond bond like what 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 have we learned? Like, why we watch this for a reason? Because mm. Bond is, you're right, it is for niche markets, but it is a global phenomenon. It's you can go that's anywhere over half a century. to mm. any, yeah, it, 
it, you're right, it has lasted half a century. What other series or franchise has done that? I feel like Marvel's trying to gonna mm. go hit it up the park. They will, um, but but really, there's no there's no consistent film series that has done what they've done. And it's not just been about multiple characters; mm. it's one character's journey that we're watching. And while the films pre Craig are very self contained, we see them as eras. Mm. How do you think this culturally has impacted? the world and how did the, watching this impact us i guess i find it's incredibly i don't think it's its primary target but it is an incredible marketing campaign for england for aston martin mm. for rolex or omega yeah depending on on who who we've got nokia um, yeah and, <laughs> and, and then, oh, that was so funny and then depending on what brands of the time or who has paid the biggest kind of amount of money um nokia or Sony Ericsson or BMW. Um, your BMW for some time. Yeah. Um, Ford, when they owned Aston Martin earlier on. Like, yeah, it, it's an incredible ad campaign for certain things or certain places, um, ski resorts, they're all like, that sort of like stuff. They're like a time capsule. Each, each mm. film or each era of character, it, it seems to exist in that period. And the only era of bond that i would argue is timeless has been craig's yeah i mean look it, it is hard to say because we are in the time of those ones but at the same time we can recognize what what is something like it's, the the it, early 2000s special effects for example uh, we saw in the um the brosnan <laughs> ones oh i think we, about them sometimes but, but we knew at the time that they weren't going i mean it's the same with like jurassic park 3 for example i knew that that film had terrible special effects i was like oh that doesn't look very good but they persisted with it because they were like, oh, no, no, this is the tech of the day. Let's have some fun with this new toy. And and so we saw that. We knew that was something that was going to age and it aged badly. The Craig ones have tried to stay as neutral as they could. I mean, I did see some pretty poor special effects in this one um, yeah, at but, certain points. But keep in mind as well that Casino Royale turned 15 this year. And it's ageless. when, it when is, we watched yeah. it, that was something that we talked about that... Yeah it felt like it could have come out now. Completely. I I completely agree. I do completely agree though. I feel like overall watching all the series as we have, and then watching this new film Mm. again, no spoilers Mm -hmm. made me appreciate this new film more. And I feel like that's the the brilliance of the Bond franchise Mm. is that if I had watched this without knowing what I knew, Mm. And if I'd watched any Bond film without mm. watching any other Bond film, with the exception of the Craig films, mm-hmm. I could you could watch it and you get your entertainment and you get your story and you know exactly what's going to happen because mm-hmm. it's a Bond film. Whether or not you know that this is a film about Bond, he's a spy, he's a double O agent, mm. and you come with certain things about that. And it's an interesting phenomenon that this, is, this has happened for every generation yeah. since our parents. Yeah. I think what we did by watching all of them and then going to see this one tonight the way we did and to have roughly the same time gap between each film when we watched them, I think we benefited from it a lot. And I I, I would say to anyone going to see the new one to go back and watch the Craig ones, but I feel like we did get a, a little something more out of it by watching all of them. Yeah, I, look, I think so too, because it's the 
when you're seeing the most recent thing of anything, and this is the most recent thing um, of this one, this is mm. a significant number because it's an anniversary kind of number, 25. Um, it's a nice number to hit. Um, yeah, I feel like you do get more out of it f- from watching the entire thing and then seeing what feels like to this point in time for us the end. It's like seeing the latest of, of, of any of the Brosnan films as well when they're out in cinema. It's the thing of this is the end of it for now because nothing exists beyond here. There's no catching up or, or whatever. So it feels like that for us. It is also, as everybody knows, because it is so public knowledge or such public knowledge, this is the last of, of um, Craig's, film. Craig's films. Mm. And so for us, again, it's that extra kind of little piece on top of that cherry on top of this is the end of that. This is the last of that, of what we're seeing of him. And the Craig films have done something that all the rest of them haven't either, which is create an actual storyline mm. within their series. Do you, so, you have a question for us, Bianca? I, I do I, have a question, you, but yes. we're going to go to yeah. that because we need to talk about the movie before yep. we get to that question. Yep. I think. Okay. Yep. Or sure. do you guys think? No, no, I, I agree. I agree. All right, so guys, if you do not want to listen to spoilers, press pause now, stop it, go watch the movie, come back, and we're going to talk about the movie now, and stop. Yes. All right, now if you're still here and you don't, you, you know, keep listening and you hear spoilers, this is on you now. We're all good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this movie. Um, How do you I feel, Drew? A, I have a... You're, a, like, you're like glowing with anticipation. This is the last time for a while that I get to read the synopsis. Synopsis, go. So I'm, I'm a little, yeah, mixed feeling. James Bond has left active service. His peace is short-lived when Felix Leiter, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Yes. There we go. That is um, No Time to Die. I actually really like that. It's not very spoilery. It isn't very spoilery. But yeah. well, let's spoil the fuck out of it. Yeah. So we start <laughs> off... At the end of Spectre. Mm-hmm. It's yep. maybe a couple weeks, couple months afterwards, and we're seeing mm. uh, Madeline and Bond on their romantic tour of Italy. And uh, Madeline has taken him there because this is where Vesperlin, who is our very first Bond girl for Craig era, mm-hmm. um, is buried. Yeah. And boom. Yes. You yeah, we jumped out of the seat. Yeah, we I got, we got, jumped, we got thrown into far. it, and and I think something that that um, non story spoiler, but spoiler nonetheless, this film absolutely knocks sound design out, out of, of the, the park. Heart. Like my god, this movie um, very early on gives you gives you a sense of something new and different. And um, again, we're talking about it, and I can't remember someone that's maybe gone back and listened to our podcasts um, and our entire Bond series reviews um would remember what um which bond we were talking about where sound design finally kind of came into its own and, and did something special and i can't remember which one it was but this one then gives us a whole new um element and a whole new ball game of that so um this this movie very early on establishes itself as my favorite bond film period sound. for sound design yeah. like I it th- just it just does something i very think the special. disney machine has a, a lot they could learn from this yeah completely agree i um, i think that who did the sound design for this film i actually haven't looked to be honest well, um, whoever did it they they have an ear because the, there was a perfect balance between silence 
um, action, the fact that they, you're, you were saying earlier, Phil, mm. the fact that depending where the gun was shot, depending what environment the gun was shot mm. in, it didn't just the sound gun like a gun changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let us also be clear. We had the privilege of seeing it at a cinema that was using Dolby Atmos, which not every theater does have it playing that way. Mm. I feel like even without the Dolby Atmos, it's it's not so much about the uh, quality of your speakers. I think this is a quality of design thing. So it was, yeah. We um, we getting throwing back into the story quickly. We we see Bond shattered because he thinks Madeline's betrayed him because he goes to Vesper's grave and there is a note from Spectre and there's a bomb that throws and Bond has a, a bomb tries to kill him. Bond has trust issues, obviously. We see a very awesome little action-packed sequence, which I just, like, felt so sorry for the people of Italy. Um, Also, that friggin' motorbike jump where he goes up the side of the archway, that I also jumped at. Yep. Yeah, look, I mean, there was some... The the movie throws you into some very, very... um, a false sense of security where you don't expect lots to happen and then lots happens. Um, and it does that several times throughout where you don't expect lots and lots to happen and then lots and lots happens. In a very good way. Like, absolutely. Like, it, it, it's... um, the, the pacing of this movie was exceptional, I thought. Um, and something which... Look, older Bonds probably didn't do as good a job of. Um, and something that I think even, like, Quantum of Solace did. It actually felt like older Bond pacing done better. But that's what I mean. Because it it understood how to jet set properly. Yeah, which older Bonds didn't really do. They got the jet setting, but they didn't get the pacing right. Do you know what annoyed me about the older Bonds? Every time he showed up to a new place, you'd have to see him, like, check in, Mm. get in, like, introduce, get to his room. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd have to see that whole process. And it's like, this was cool because there was some times when, like, for instance, so later in the film, he goes to Norway. Mm-hmm. You just see him walk into this place. Like he doesn't, he go, he says, they go to a, they go to him, do you know where Madeline is? And he's like, no. And then he just walks into this place in Norway. And we knew. So you could tell that twinkle in his eye was bullshit. I might be able to shed a bit of light on that difference for you because that's, that is a filmmaking thing. Um, I had a filmmaker explain this to me that the difference between American films and Australian films, that was the example, but I I believe this still applies here because this is also, just fun fact, first time the Bond films have had an American director. The difference between the two styles of films is that in an American film, a person will, a character will walk up to a door and the camera will just show them walk up to the door and they'll go in. In an Australian film, you'll see them walk up, fumble with the keys, put the key in the lock, turn the key, open the, like, turn the handle, open the door, go in. All of that. American productions just sort of cut to the chase. And we had an American filmmaker running this, and I think he just had a better idea of where you just didn't need to linger on those Is moments. that also why Bond had no doors or locks in his house in Cuba? Because that shit me. Yeah, like literally no, no um, fumbling he, with the He had his drinks out. He had his passports out. Like everything that could have incriminated him. And he just rocks up to this shack on a beach. All the doors are open. He's got a shower outside. No locks. That I think was the only part of the movie where I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing, man? I have no idea no about wonder, that. No wonder Felix just walked in there. Mm. Yeah. Also, I love Felix in this film. And I love the fact that we have not seen Felix since Casino Royale, 
But it feels like they've they was he in Quantum of Solace? Yeah, yeah, on the the jet and everything. Yep. Oh my god, he was. Sorry, we have not seen him since Quantum Solace, but he feels like he's been in every movie, and that him and Bond have this complete relationship. Yep. It was nice having him back and being able to round out his story as well. Mm. His death, though. Oh yeah, he dies. Well, we're at the spoiler section. Everyone here watched are. it. <laughs> I know. I know. Look, it, we. I think. We, I think we. Um, we likened it to. I can't remember who said it. It was one of you two said it that it was sure. very much like, um, like Vesper's death in that he had to. Yeah, he had to see oh. his friend go the same way he had to say goodbye to Vesper, and and that was. Um, it was really it. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> we really didn't enjoy that, and I also feel like Felix didn't get enough screen time. We did, but we didn't. We did. We did it. Mm. I love the fact. I love the scene where he goes, "Can we go to a quiet place?" And he takes him to the strip, strip. to the loudest place yeah. he possibly could. Yeah. I, look, I, if if I look at this movie as a whole, that there were, um, I appreciated the fact that they made Bond feel, and it's something that Bianca and I were talking about a lot um, before we hit record. Um, they focused a lot on the idea that Bond had, um, and it's something that, again, you'd referenced in earlier Craig films, he'd earned his arrogance. Um, I likened mm. some of the dialogue between um, Q and Bond while in mission um, to like an old married couple, but at the same time, he was still absolutely on his game. It's like he had, you know, it's it, it, it's like riding a bike, you never forget, you know. So he, he kind of just automatically, even though he'd been out of service for several years, like the... Um, plot outline um, suggests um, or, or mentioned you know he's been out of the role but he still kind of picked it straight back up again and could just get it done and do what he had to do and and but still have the bickering and everything and and he he earlier on um, would be very you know on the straight and narrow and just do exactly as the role um, required and was a little bit more rough around the edges and that was the shocking thing for us with Bond but he's softened up to become like Bonds of old where he says corny shitty lines but again he's earned it now whereas the old ones never earned that and will always just be saying it to himself this one he's he's, he's doing it, it in context he's, he said the corny he's, lines to Q and he said um, oh, he or also did said the, something to the 007 I can't remember what it was but but again she's he's, a disarming young woman yeah <laughs> but yeah he's he's saying the things and doing the things in context where he's earned the right to do those things and not just being that way so and also now he's being an ass about it I, I, even though he's doing it for effect of being an ass yeah, about yeah. It. yeah but he's he's being like a jokey ass about it. it it's not just you know him standing in a hallway yeah. going well that was a lovely fool like he dropped down he fell over or something i don't know stupid shit like that yeah. always happened no this is like he's he's got he's saying these jokes for a purpose now because he's entertaining someone and he's just mm. being arrogant and smarmy mm. my other thing that I loved about it is I loved the introduction of... So I feel like the first half of the movie, or at least up until when he goes back to... After, up until where he goes sees Blowfield, mm. that is like a proper spy espionage thing with everyone like... With everyone like all the new spies and there's people all going for the same thing and like mm. it's a proper spy espionage movie the fact that we see um Anna da, oh, what's her character's name Anna de Armas Anna de Armas um the Cuban spy I loved her so much she was my favorite Paloma Paloma yeah she and was I, awesome 
<laughs> and I just, I totally feel like there was so many throwbacks to the old Bond films in this. Mm. Like the fact that one, we had a snow scene. Yep. We had a snow scene. We had the car chase. We had, we had multiple car chases. Actually, we had a snow scene, car chase. We went to a, uh, what was the other one that I was thinking of? I was, had, as, I was ticking them off we as I was going. We went back to Jamaica. We went back to Jamaica. We went back to Cuba. We had gadgets. Ga- oh yeah, gadgets are back. That's the other thing. Yep. So if you go watch Casino Royale versus this one, we were talking about in Casino Royale how everything's gritty and it's very more realistic and the it's only, no longer a sci-fi film. The only gadget he had was the defibrillator in the car. Yeah. And yep. now we had the car with the smoke screen and all the guns in it and the uh, plane that was, you know, new technology. Mm. I think that plane is kind of based on something, but the it's gravity like plane. A dr- yeah, almost like a drone and like a a, um, a glider. But but what I liked is that Bond was kind of shocked, not shocked by it, but taken aback by the technology. So unlike previous Bonds, see, everything was just done in this. The approach to all these things was done in a more... And the technology was always linked to the new generation of spies. Mm. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was never with him, kind of. Like, even the gun um, in Skyfall, when Q gives him the biometric gun, and yep. he's kind of like, oh, like, wow. Like, he's, he's he kind of is a bit... He's a little bit taken aback by it, because he's he is. It's the younger tech coming in or the younger people coming in. But he in does make a with, dig as well then. He goes, not really Christmas, is it? No, but yeah, <laughs> but he but he does this. And in this one, again, rather than just it being expected, which is almost like it felt more unrealistic to just expect ridiculous technology like this. He's kind of taken aback by it or like, what, like he's surprised and intrigued by it, mm. but he gives it with his arrogant kind of like, or smarmy sort of like nah, like whatever like little witty, witty comment kind of thing about it he's like yeah when the watch happens and mm. they're like you know what happens if it does what? it how close is it work? it's like rather than being showing that he's impressed by this thing mm. he questions yeah how does it like how does it work and then he's like how close is it and he's like i haven't tested it what do you mean you haven't tested it yeah like he's like almost he's- like he's, <laughs> yeah rather than just being like wow that's really cool or being all suave and like hmm yes this is mine like he's he's questioning it and pushing back kind of thing He's being, you know, I like the shit about it. He and he and Q got to have a decent amount of humor yeah. in this one. I also, yeah, him and Q. Him, I know him you're and Q's relationship <laughs> threw me oh, back Bond. to when Q. Q goes the old Q who yes. goes yeah. out the first time with mm-hmm. him. That whole that whole dynamic. It felt like it was back, but it's also inverted because Q is now the younger one who's a bit hipper and knows what he's talking about mm, yeah. while Bond is the older what's mm. going on kind of thing mm. like, this, this film did a bit of inversion and we'll, we'll get to that soon but first of all I, one more thing about Paloma just yeah. fucking, the, what I was trying to say before is the throwback to all the ridiculous Bonds like Strawberry Fields and <laughs> the, the mm. idiot blonde one who was um, his liaison in Oh, I can't remember what country it was. But anyway, one of the really stupid blonde uh, MI6 agents who was one of his assistants, Paloma mm. kind of throws back to all that where she's a bit ditzy and she doesn't know what she's doing. Mm. And then she turns around and decimates everyone after being like, I've only had three weeks training. And Bond even goes, only three weeks training, give or take. And I'm like, yes, that was yeah. that whole... And then they pour each other drinks in the middle of the fight. It's definitely a throwback to the old... Mm. arrogant bond of i'm just gonna quickly drink my martini as we do this and Mm. then yeah and then it comes back to Mm. 
um, they actually know what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Again, the arrogance or the kind of... They're not there by accident. They're there because they can do the job. She was picked for the role because she could do it. Even if she didn't believe she could do it, she absolutely could do it. And Felix picked her. He knew she could yeah. do it. And the 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 um kind of what's that game? Piggy in the middle. Mm. We yeah. got to throw the thing back and keep it away. Like mm. between um the new 007, whose mm. name I can't remember. Nomi. Nomi and Bond with the science guy. Yes. And then um, Paloma runs her car through it. Like that whole scene of... <laughs> that was game who, over. Yeah, yeah, like who's going to take the thing? It was so childish, mm. but also it was a spy feel. It was like very... Sp- I don't know. Mm. I love that whole thing. Yeah. Cuba mm. was my favorite part. I was just grinning, but anyway. Mm. Go. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to refer back to Bond's dig at Q with, about the cat. You know, they come with fur, <laughs> oh, they come now. With fur now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I also noted the second use of the F word in three oh, movies. Yes. Oh, for fuck's sake! And of course, it was M again. Yes, I absolutely love second also. Second M to do it, but M. I also love how he always calls M Mallory and not M. Yeah, he goes by yeah. the name. He goes, goes Mallory. By the name. <laughs> Say hi to M for me, and then puts the phone onto him. <laughs> yeah, look, this this movie did deliver in a lot of ways, but um, I don't Let's know. Let's talk should, about that ending. Should we get to? Yeah, yeah, but the, I think the ending ties into the your, in, your the question. inverted ending. All right, so we're going to talk about the ending, but with this question. So my big question to the boys in the car was: This ending finished off Craig, very much, literally. Bond is dead. Yes. Finished. So we are going to have a new Bond in the next series. Mm. Uh, in the next movie. Mm. But do we want to go back to self-contained movies of Bond? Mm. Or do we want to continue as the Craig has done, Craig films have done and do a series of movies with an ongoing storyline linked together? Drew? I would like to see something in the middle. So I thought Pierce Brosnan's films linked nicely, but I want it to be more more linked, but not as linked as this one is where it, where it was like a five-part story. I, I would happily see the connections a little more, see the threads between the films a little more, almost akin to how Connery's ones had a little more link to them but not quite such an open and shut book if that makes any sense uh, I no it makes total sense and and look I don't think I want to see a story again um, and funnily enough I think this one made me feel that way the most um, so as much as I really really enjoyed this story I almost find that because it was such a full stop that's at a detraction from the whole series because it could have been I know that the and I don't know if that was the point all along and I I doubt it was the point all along that they would be there would be a literal start middle end um I don't think that was the case and I'm all, all not really a fan of when they well, well, look. Turn something into that. So, we so we know the, there isn't wasn't it meant to be because yeah. we know that Craig was supposed to finish after three. Yeah, 
and then he came back for the fourth because it was a good story and mm. then the same with the fifth yeah look and and so and i'm not not particularly a fan of someone pulling a story out of nowhere kind of thing halfway through like oh shit yeah. what do we do you know what, let's do this i'm not really a fan of that um but also i don't know if it's the 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 franchise to do it to or to do that with because now this does this it was really good but it does something now where it means that do you do that for every bond from here to the end of time kind of thing and i don't know if they should i don't think they should i'm with drew where i think i don't mind there's a thread but i don't think it should be as open and shut like this one was start middle end and so i am not sure I feel like that this outlier series did do good, but has almost done damage. I'm, I'm all for them having. This is the first time a Bond actor has actually had an a definitive end. N- not that he dies, but that they end knew well, he does going die. in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but but if you look at I the last the last Bond film from every Bond actor, mm. it has never been a definitive he's dead and it ends here and then we restart correct it just sort of carried on i'm happy if they have a definitive end to the next actor but i would prefer to see him ride off into the sunset and then shift into the next actor not not the way they've ended the previous ones where it was open-ended or anything is literally they could have come back for another film kind yeah of i would like to sort of see him right off into the sunset that's why I'm, I'm i'm a little undecided about the ending of this film yeah i cried i, I, I cried and cried yeah but... i was crying too i phil just looks at both of us and like we're both just sitting there with tears rolling down yeah. our cheeks like <laughs> but i, I look I, the reason i didn't cry is because i don't think it was the right ending I, I don't think it was the right ending. I, I, I'm I'm I, I look. It was a a good ending, but I don't think it was the right ending. I for felt like he'd earned the opportunity to ride off in the sunset with the girls. Not even that though. Not, oh yeah, Bond has a daughter. Not even that though. Like, yes, that aside, but not even that though. I just don't feel like this was the right ending. Not because he deserved something else, but because it's a Bond film and. I feel like the closest that we got to there being true heart and story and continuation was Vespa. And that was almost just a thread as much as it was in a singular film or one and a half films, such an important part of it. It was still a thread. And that I appreciated that going into Quantum of Solace um, into Skyfall, that there was this kind of thread in the background there. But this one and the ending of this one creates it that no 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 it is a standalone story it kind of it doesn't sit within bond it sits off to the side now because it is a standalone story it's almost like a limited series kind of thing within the universe and although that's kind of what all bonds are i feel like this one did it too far so i don't know if i'm a fan i don't in fact i know i'm not a fan of the ending because it's not an appropriate ending for a bond film See, I disagree, right? Mm. I don't necessarily think he could have ridden off into the sunset. I actually think that his death was correct because one thing that I, I have to applaud this film with, Vespa Lynn was felt throughout the movie. 
Um, she was definitely a, ma- a big part of this movie from mm. the fact that it was her grave that blew up in the beginning and Phil, mm. before, during while we were talking before the show, you're like, why wouldn't they just let her rest in peace? And I was mm. like, yeah, I fucking no. <laughs> um, and then through Felix's death and mm. then the fact that Vespa let herself die because mm. she didn't think she could be forgiven. Bond asks her to forgive him in this film. And then at the end, he sacrifices himself for another woman he loves. Mm. Whereas, you know... Yeah, it completes the cycle. It completes the cycle. And I feel like... Mm. I, I agree. And I've sort of decided that all the Bonds are like um, alternate universes of each other. Mm. Um, that's why... It's kind of like Batman. Batman is constantly 36. Mm. Doesn't go older. Um, no matter how what mm. year it is. So I feel like he, this is sort of the same. Every Bond has an alternate universe. Mm. This was his universe and this is how he ended. And I feel like Bond was always going to die. If Bond, I don't think Bond was ever mm. going to be an agent who retired. Um, well, he did about three times throughout the entire Daniel Craig series thing. This mm. is true. <laughs> Look, I just feel like the ending of this one was probably the most contrived of, of pulling at heartstrings. Vespa's, think, Vespa's death was the most surprising moment of the series because we were like, whoa, what? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. But but again, we kind of saw it. It had, had to kind of go to that because you can't have a Bond film without a Bond character or a Bond in several movies if he's disappeared kind of thing. So we kind of knew something had to happen or something had to give. But I feel like the, the last half hour of this movie felt to me the most contrived of... Not... And I'm... Not saying it is absolutely no doubt contrived. I'm saying the most I felt that it is of the five Craig films is in this one in the last half hour because you could see it. Like I, I saw it from a mile out. Like and everyone did. Oh, everyone knew soon, exactly okay. what was happening. We all as went. As soon this is as it. I was like, as soon as he put the mm-hmm. kid in the boat, this is it. This we know how it's going to end. Madeline, goodbye. Yep. I was like, you're not coming back. You're dead. Yeah. And, I did keep thinking that maybe. They would, is... I, there was the other option that I thought of is mm. maybe they will show the bomb drop and a blow up, but then they'll show them on the beach together. But after he, I forgot about the poison. I literally, you see him get fucking decimated. But yeah, yeah. Look, this. But again, uh, besides assuming that he's going to get out of a situation, you can't. You don't normally predict what's going to happen, and you also don't sit there knowing exactly how it's going to play out. And this is for the first time in five movies where half hour of the movie, I knew exactly how it was going to play out. And that's the first time in the five movies I felt that. So, again, that's what I mean by it's the most contrived is that. I see. I I disagree with you because I feel like that mean it's cinematically, thematically was meant to be. Because you, I I look at things, Mm. I look at like movies in the way of themes Mm. and, you know, Sometimes mm. a movie being predictable, especially at the end, mm. makes sense. Because, like, mm. imagine getting through the whole of the Lord of the Rings and we knew that they were going to mm-hmm. the volcano to throw the bloody mm-hmm. ring in. Mm. And we knew this was going to happen. We knew that it was going to be a struggle to get up there. Imagine if at the end of the Lord of the Rings, they didn't throw in the volcano. Well, they almost didn't. It's only because no, no, Mick no. Gollum came along and didn't. But we knew didn't. they were going to. 
Yeah. The golem coming out of nowhere and th- being in, we knew the ring was going to fall. So yeah. we knew at the end of this movie, Bond was either going to run off into the sunset mm. or die. We Think about it going mm. in. Yeah. We all fought right off into the sunset, but there was a p- small part of our brain going, he could die because this is his last one. No, I assumed they were going to kill him. I, I assumed when, when there was another one, I assumed they were going to so kill him. So as soon as we saw the, the, the foreshadowing mm-hmm. hit, we all knew what was going to happen. Mm. But the fact that we knew and the fact that it fit into the story mm. and fit into all the themes, I like it. That's why I respect it. Fair enough. Going to um, just a couple of quick... I don't know if we have quick facts for this one, Drew. Um, but just quickly, I have one. I am, uh, I know that there was a lot of um, protesting or disappointment with um, in Norway because uh, they had built something in a forest which was public land and you're, the rule is you're not allowed to build something in there. But they couldn't say... No one could say it was for the Bond film because they had to keep it hush-hush. They were filming there. But they should have just told... I think my mum said something along the lines of that. Everyone, when they found out it was for the Bond film, was like, oh, oh, okay. But until that point, everyone was pissed off that someone was building something in a forest and the forest, which is public land, was closed off. So that was cool. What did they build? A house, the house. Oh, the was that house in the forest? It was either that house or the, the little the shack. shed. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was one of the two. But basically... Say, if it's the house, understandable, it's a pretty massive house. If it's the shed... It's Still, you can't build anything in there. I agree. But beautiful. I thought I thought Norway location-wise was absolutely stunning. The mm. locations in mm. this movie and the way they filmed them. Yep. It wasn't no, so the other, the thing that I got constantly gave Bond movie shit about, the fact of use of sets. Yes. This movie it showed me exactly why I hated the sets. Yes, like, exactly. It was so pretty. This movie, yes. and the again, I'm going back to Cuba. But the scene in Cuba, this the perfect thing of sound design, set design, lighting, all of it came together. Of when mm. Paloma and um, Bond are talking through the mics, through the headsets. Yes, and you see Bond when you hear Paloma talking. And you can hear her voice coming through the mic crackly. Mm. Then you see Paloma when you hear Bond talking. Yes. And he's doused in blue light. She's doused in red yes. light. You see this old, beautiful building mm. in Cuba. Like that whole scene. I, that's why I was sitting there just like grinning at you like, oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. That whole thing was like sound, visual, everything. Drew? Uh, okay. So a couple of things. Um, firstly, and I mentioned this to you um, earlier off air that Daniel Craig and Anna de Armas were also together in Knives Out so reportedly he personally handpicked her to play Paloma for Bond she after working perfect. with her on Knives Out she played it perfectly she she did was kind of stuttery kind of uncertain I absolutely loved also another one of spinning Bond shit on their head when they go into the room together and she starts stripping him and he's like well you know this is a bit forward and he Mm. starts to go to get it on and she's like oh no 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 (laughs) no no suit i was like oh cool and then he makes her turn around yeah (laughs) yes um this one i found interesting from the technical side of things this is the first bond movie to be shot with an imax camera Mm -hmm. Um, previous bond films that were exhibited in imax were converted by upscaling to imax but this was the first one to actually use IMAX cameras. 
and when they weren't shooting on IMAX, this film was actually shot with 65mm Panavision. Brilliant. So Don't know what that means. 65mm film is significantly bigger than 35mm and is able to capture a lot more detail in the image. That That's why it looks so beautiful. So amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the last three films have looked beautiful, but mm. this... I think this one blew them all out of the way. The colours in this yeah. one... The like cinematography, the locations mm. they use, and you- even even um, Jamaica, mm. how um, like it was a dingy, grotty place but where they were looked- like in the club and all that area, and it still looked gorgeous. Mm. I sincerely hope that when the IMAX open reopens in Sydney, it. that they do show it there, mm. because it would be a really amazing opportunity for us to get to see it. Um, Another throwback was in Jamaica when um, Nomi goes, I look at ship, I, I dive for shipwrecks, which is a yes. throwback to the first Bond film. Yep. Um, first Bond movie to feature all the characters of Q, Felix, Moneypenny and M since License to Kill in 1989, which is an interval of 31 years. Goodness. Um, now this one, I've, I've been keeping this one um, under the lid for a few weeks because I wanted to discuss it after we saw the film. Um, Composer Hans Zimmer took inspiration for the music from the trailer for the previous Bond film, not only by taking a similar approach to the Bond theme, but also by incorporating the main theme of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Wonderful. So when I listened to the soundtrack a couple of weeks ago, I heard the theme from it in there and I got very excited and I didn't mm. want to I didn't want to talk about it until after we'd seen it but that also um I'll touch up uh, I'll touch upon that again in a minute when we get to our scores um this is also the seventh screenplay for a Bond film to be written by regular Bond writers Neil Purvis and Robert Wade fun fact they also wrote the first Johnny English film okay <laughs> <laughs> that is such like a two very different spy films in that yep uh last one that i've got I, i've got heaps but you know i'm understanding of the time um bond throws his mi6 visitors badge in the trash can by money penny's desk from across the room when leaving it's m's like office that. and i'm sure we all understood that that was a little dig at how when Bond used to go into the office, he'd throw the hat yeah. onto the hat yep. stand. I yeah. picked it straight away. It yeah. was... Ugh. All, again, all mm. of the throwbacks and like the references to all the Bond films. And again, you're right. It's like 25 is a significant number. Mm. And Bond films do like to do their anniversary specials like us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like um, us. But like all of those little details in it, it was so appreciated. And I... Mm. Back to what we were talking about in the overall experience. Mm. I'm very, like I was, some of the weeks where we watched these Bond films, I was sitting there being like, fuck, I don't want to do this this week. Cause I had to sit there and actually watch a movie and I'm not very good at watching movies, Mm. but I regret none of it now because the payoff is worth it. The payoff was amazing. Mm. And the, I don't know, this was just my favorite movie. Should we get to the scores then? And then we can get to special mentions and our second. I agree. I think we should. Um, Bianca, would you like to go first? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I loved it. I, I, <laughs> I, I Even was there the was like some shitty CGI in mm-hmm. it at one point. I'll agree. Mm-hmm. But the sound design made up for that. 
yep. the the lighting and the film like uh like i said the locations and everything made up for that even oh my god even the freaking japanese um garden with all the poisons in it i loved that that was like it was so pretty and it was so deadly i'm fucking brilliant sorry 10 out of 10 i'm done (laughs) i'm gonna gush about this for a while yeah i think i'm gonna go see it again i don't see good movies twice often i absolutely will be seeing it again because it is a family tradition Mm -hmm. that the kitteridge family go and see bond together um technically 10 out of 10 i can't fault any of the technical aspects of that film it i i felt like it was the culmination of all the work that had been done on all the previous installments it just it was like it it was kind of how i felt when i watched skyfall when when i was seeing all those elements come together um personally nine out of ten and it loses the point because like phil i'm not altogether happy with the ending it's a good ending it's well it's well made all of that and it it is it is an earned ending but is it the right ending i don't think it is Mm. Like you, I do not think it's the right mm-hmm. ending. Um, I do appreciate that it is a, it is the inverted ending of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and I appreciate that the entire film paid homage to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. The, film that we the throwaway lines of all the time in the world, even playing the Louis Armstrong song from the film in the end credits of this one. Oh, I, I didn't even pick up on that. They it, The whole thing is inverted of on her majesty's secret service playing Hans Zimmer playing the theme through there it i liked all of that i just like you i don't think it's the right ending mm-hmm. so 10 technical nine personal philip technical technically i'm giving it a 9.5 um yep look it's a phenom- it's got phenomenal sound design um and it's got absolutely stellar casting um mm. Look, it's a script that wonderfully captures the characters um, and how they fit in with each other. Um, and and it is a sound ending to what has been a unique story within an enormous franchise. Mm. Um, but it's definitely um, a conclusion to the story that leaves fear in my mind and I'm sure fans of the franchise for what's next. And because it is that open-ended question of do we get another series do we not? Are we ready for that? I feel like I'll get fatigue from what comes next. And so the ending of this definitely is a technical aspect of it because it's something that is critical to the story. And I feel like it's a flaw to the story. That's the technical side of it. Personally, it gets an eight. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, it gets an eight because, look, okay. it is gorgeous to look at. It's mm. gorgeous to listen to. It is a good story. But... I don't think it's the strongest story in there because yeah. I feel like for a Bond movie, which we're used, to, we are used to arguably quite re- weak storylines. That is true. Um, stories that don't have a lot of heart and stories that are quite kind of throwaway in that they're just an exciting adventure kind of thing. But this story has, this film has a lot to live up to from what we've seen from the previous four. And so in my mind, this one is probably the most um it's the least unique 
in that it is the most like any other film, standalone film from anything else that's meant to tell one story that is a story with a start, middle and end. Um, it's in some ways a rogue one. It's a, we know how it's going to end. Yeah. Um, it stands on its own. It fits within a series, but it can be its own entire thing and completely unique because it has an absolute full stop at the end to be like, no, no, we can't do more. Loses a bit of its identity so, in the process. Yeah, for me, it's a film that... that if it was a Bond film on its own, it would be so unique because, oh my God, they killed a Bond off. Imagine Lazenby doing a single film and that being kind of it. Yeah. That being it. But it wasn't. It was the ending of a series. And so for that, I don't think it's the strongest in Craig's films. It's probably the the most visually spectacular on screen and it was done the best on the big screen. Um, mm. And there's a little bit of that kind of bias, I think, um, in my mind as well. But... At the same time, purely for what it is, it gets an eight because it's it's good. But again, I can't help but see the contrivedness of this one, and that's something that's not really there in the other ones. And I I don't appreciate that. And I can see why other critics have been a little been quite harsh on it. Mm. Um, I get it because as much as I loved it and I it's the best for sound design and all that sort of stuff, it is the the most predictable of all of them, and that's the saddest part for me about it all is that it's the most predictable. See, I agree with you in that it does strike a fear in me for the future of mm. Bond. Because will we get burnout from another series and well, knowing I, we've got to wait longer for a payoff and an, of an ending? I don't know. I don't know mm. how... This was a reinvention of Bond. This series... It was a reboot. Whether you and s- they said it from yeah, the beginning. It was a re... But it... As we keep saying, there was mm. all of these like little nods to the previous series, and then at the same time, there was like, "This is cementing a new bond." Mm-hmm. What else can we do? Mm-hmm. Like to to reboot it again with a new. Ca- the, see, my thing isn't so much worried about whether it's going to be a series or a standalone. Mm. The thing that worries me is about if it keeps going. I want it to be better. But what else can they do to bond? And also, I don't know if I'm ready to get so emotionally attached to a, a single bond, which we haven't done before ever. It doesn't matter if you really liked, but I like Pierce Brosnan. But you knew that, that he was kind of safe. Yeah. The, a character that we know we can depend on for safety doesn't exist anymore if they go into another series. That's that, Again, it, it's as, as perfect an ending for what this was, predictable or not, it sets up fear because what? How do they do it? I also it next? think if they go back to mm-hmm. standalone films, mm-hmm. like a series of standalone films, mm-hmm. it'll be disappointing. Um, but yeah. if they try and top this in regards to a series, mm. it's also going to be. Disappointing. They got their work cut out. Yeah, they got the work cut out. Dying to ask, and I and I didn't prep you guys for this at all. But who do you? think we might see next in the role or who would you like to see next in the role can we quickly go through scores and we'll get to that please scores. all right so our okay. new scores are drew for tech from 6.83 you go to 6.93 yeah and for personal you go from a 6.9 to a 7 mm-hmm. beautiful uh phil from a 6.3 in tech to a 6.49 mm-hmm and for a 6.2 in personal, so a 6.28. So barely any change there. Yes, yep. Bianca. Uh, and me from a 6.88 to a 7 for mm-hmm. technical, which again, yep, hands down praise mm-hmm. this one. 
Yep. Uh, 6.25 for personal to a 6.4. Yep. Okay. So a whole point two above. So that's our overall film scores for the Bond films. Yes. 6.93, 6.49 and 7 for tech, 6.7, 6.28 and 6.4 for personal. To your question, Drew, I still stand by Idris Elba. I think we kind of thought that before Spectre even. We were like, yeah. we were all kind of debating who it would be and we were, the question was out, who would it be? And I said Idris Elba from then. He's the only one I want to like that I actively go yeah that's who I want to see I'm, I'm I would be open to Henry Cavill but I'm, I'd be very interested in in what his take would be but I want Idris Elba mm-hmm. I I really want Idris Elba my follow-up to that would probably not be Henry Cavill it would probably be um the bloke from 50 shades Jamie Dornan I'd like to see that actually. That would I'd be like to see Jamie Dornan because Jamie Dornan may not have the same physicality as Idris Elba or Henry Cavill. Yep. But if we're going to see a suave, mm. smooth talking Bond, and also the interesting thing with the next generation of Bond that mm. would probably have to be done eventually is make him more tech savvy. And I feel like, yeah. uh, What's his name? Jamie Dornan could pull that off. I have I have an outside theory and it came to me a few days ago and I'm going to say it now so that it's recorded now and we'll see if it comes to fruition. There is one actor who I don't know if anyone's considered him, but Will Poulter, who has just been cast as Adam, as Warlock. Adam Warlock. And I, just, I got this nagging feeling he could be the pick see okay. i keep i it's, this is the other thing whenever there is a bond who's going to be in the running rarely do any of the actors who are in the running actually get, get yep. picked yep. yep so i would also really like to see we were also talking about in the parking lot if you guys remember um would any of these characters come back mallory mm. um mm. this version of money penny etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah I don't think they can. Mm. I, I think, think this is such either. a self-contained story that to see them back in any other film mm. in these roles would be a disservice. Yeah, it would break open the the, the, the yes. sanctity of this being a The game. only one However, that was able to come back was Judy Dench. Mm. Well, Judy Dench came back, but she came back in the reboot. Yeah. Which made sense because it was sort of like a different ball game. Yeah. But... I would love to see. I really like Nomi, Nomi, who took the 007 mm. um, it, title. We, it could be the, the 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 Jinx series that we never got the kind of Winter Olympics off season, off and and that yeah. way we could get to see this universe continue on. Yeah. If we keep if we kept seeing her in another film, if she came out with a th- set of three films before we see the next Bond film, even mm. I don't care. Her character intrigues me. Also. I would like to see this next generation of spies in the legacy of spies like Felix and James. Mm. What? Because that was that's the part that intrigued me the most about this film: mm. the fact that we saw so many other spies. Yeah. Have we ever seen this many spies in a Bond film before? Because we had the backstabber Ash, uh, P- Paloma, Nomi, Bond, and Felix. That's five. Yeah, Potentially Goldeneye, maybe. 
but even still, not really. We sometimes see like the double O's. Yeah, yeah, but not to this extent. Certainly not. Yeah. Um, special mentions, very quick special mentions, because we've gone on for a long time. Sorry, Thank guys. you for sticking with us, audience. Um, we 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 all agreed that George Lazenby played a fantastic Bond, and mm. we love the fact that there's been so much reference to it um, in this most recent film for us. Um, on a Majesty's Secret Service, so um, he gets absolutely a um, special mention. The the breaker of kind of um, again the long running bond. The palate cleanser. The palate cleanser again. Timothy Dalton, um, sensational Bond. We 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 really did enjoy his films, um, and and again you could see the groundwork being laid for what came next with Brosnan, um, who then again laid the groundwork for what we got um, here with with um daniel craig um we got maurice binder drew of course um for creating those incredible title sequences Mm -hmm. and it was good to see even the title sequence here from his protege daniel kleinman you could feel 1962 screaming out through there the references to the title sequence Mm. one this the opening scene the Mm. the the no time to die billy eilish song that whole sequence was great, and I'm really loving this version of. Um, they also used for when where it said the name of the film, they used the Casino Royale font. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm really loving mm. all of these like title sequences that they've had in the last five films. Mm. But the the reference to the barrel at the end when Bond yeah, picks the up the gun during yes. the fight scene, yeah. and turns and, shoots. Gun, turns and mm. shoots at the camera, cool. and he's in the circular like. Just those little moments mm. and even, like showing homage to these people who have mm. created these series over the years. It was great. Yeah. Even the movie ending through the barrel. Mm. Yes, mm. Yeah. exactly. In the, the car in the tunnel. Very cool. Um, Paul McCartney. Of course. Paul McCartney and George Martin, who did an incredible job of the music on Live and Let Die, which in a, in a fairly middling film between that and Jane Seymour, those were the standouts for us Correct. of that. And arguably some of the biggest standouts of the entire Roger Moore era for us. Mm. And of course, Jack White and Alicia Keys, who I, I think that's still one of our favorite yeah, 100%. collaborations for a song. Oh my goodness. Can we give it also up to all of the Bond women who had to die over the years because James was just an idiot? Yes. Yeah. Because that didn't happen in these ones. Did also, didn't to, happen also to all the actresses ones. that had to deal with that. Absolutely. There were the the thing that I have to mostly give mm. Craig Films credit for is even when women, even when James was being a dick and treating women like shit, women didn't get treated like shit. Mm. Yeah. And the women were always kick ass in these. Or films. he had heart about the fact that he didn't. He felt responsible for the. I mean, again, the the woman in Casino Royale that that um, gets tortured and, and killed. He has heart yeah. and kind of shock about that. But anyway, on that absolutely random ass uh, topic, here's our um, What the Quote in Fact right at the end of this episode this week. Um, and we'll be back with our sick end of the week. And now it's time for What the Quote. Last week's quote was what? These violent delights have violent ends. And of course, that is from the bard himself, William Shakespeare. From Romeo and Juliet. Indeed it was. Drew, uh, this week's quote is... I don't think there's one word that can describe a man's life. And if you know where that quote is from, please reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Insta, etc. 
Anyway, on with the show. Alrighty, we're back. Um, yeah, it's time for our Sick Kent of the Week. This week, our Sick Kent of the Week is pretty obvious, really, isn't it? Just yeah. like, the, to my <laughs> thought, the, the film itself. But um, yeah, it is Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Craig. Um, look, Ooh. he played an exceptional Bond. Um, he, yeah, made the, the, he made the role his own. He had the longest tenure of any actor to play Bond at 15 years in the role, breaking Roger Moore's 12-year streak. But he didn't have the most films, which is also... No. But yeah, look, he played the role fantastically well, and he 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 made it something else. He came back for it when he didn't want to come back for it, and he he um yeah he still knocked it out of the park. He redefined James Bond, and he, I don't think many actors could have done what he did in these. Yeah, movies. and he, and he he played it completely differently. He gave it more heart than what he he would. Obviously, that's not down to him alone. It's down to some fantastic script writers, fantastic directors. Um, yeah, look, but but Daniel Craig um, embodies all of the things that we found great about um, James Bond, and really did um, was at the core of a reboot of the series. He's and also the first Bond actor to become a producer on the series as well. So he really steered the ship with the mm. the family that had been running these films for the last fifty nine years. Mm. So I got to give special mentions to all of the main cast who, like we said, this is the first time they've all been in a film together since Live and Let Die, was it? Um, License to Kill. License to Kill, sorry. Um, uh, Fiends. Yep. Naomi Harris. Ben um, Whishaw. Ben Whishaw. Rory Kinnear. Yeah, all of these guys who have come back from films over and over again Mm. and who were in this reboot and actually... Gave these characters also a new feel and new, like, whole, it, again, reboot, but also kicked mm-hmm. it in the ass. Judy Dench. Mm-hmm. Of course. I think all the characters in this series um, also, like, kudos. Not not Sick Kent because Daniel Craig was Bond, but high up praise for them. Mm. Absolutely. Anyway, that brings us to the end of our Bond um, rewatch and Bond watch and review. Um Next week, though, we're going to to get cracking, in fact, with a whole new series. So um, don't worry, that's not going away. Last thanks mm-hmm. is just is from me to you guys, because one, I would never have done this without you two. Mm-hmm. Two, Drew, thanks for week in and week out putting all the facts together for yeah, us, absolutely. because okay. none of the rest of us were going to do that. And Phil, thank you for t- wearing a suit tonight. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for making us look mm-hmm. awful. I mean, and it's all because I said the word, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say... No. No, you didn't say yeah, that word. You said the other it. one. I know I didn't. I'm not going to say it again. I probably will, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, that was great fun. We're going to come back next week with The Hunger Games. We're going to get cracking onto that series. So bring it on. Exactly. And on that note. Yep. <laughs>